From the great state of Ohio, Buckeye Firearms Association presents Keep and Bear Radio, fighting for Second Amendment rights, calling out media lies, and telling the gun grabbers to come and take it. Now, Keep and Bear Radio. Here we go again. After the city of Columbus sued Ohio over preemption and passed local gun control laws, Cincinnati has done the same, suing the state over preemption and announcing gun control laws. What is preemption? And why is this legal mess such a threat to gun owners? And speaking of messes, what is the big fight in the Ohio House of Representatives all about? That's what we're going to talk about on this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. I'm Dean Reek, Executive Director of Buckeye Firearms Association, and I'm joined by Rob Sexton, BFA's Legislative Affairs Director. Hi, Rob. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Dean. It's good to be with you again. So, Rob, I know this this podcast is just audio only, but as we're recording it, we use Zoom, and I can see you. And I noticed that you have a beanie on, uh, even though you're inside. So what's what's up with the beanie? <laughs> well, a couple things, I guess. The, the first is we keep our house pretty chilly in the wintertime, you know, like in the mid-60s. I think it's 66. But my office is the coldest room in the house or next to the coldest. And uh, for those who haven't met me before, I don't have a whole lot of hair up on top. And I just recently shaved it. And believe it or not, Dean, that that eighth of an inch of stubble that I had up there before actually served a purpose. And so I'm I'm uh, I'm a bit cold on top this morning. Well, I've I got a beanie uh, like a year or two ago, and I'd never I seldom wear a hat. And I just decided because you know I was noticing my uh, my head and my ears would get cold uh, in the winter, and I've started wearing it. And it makes a gigantic difference. I never realized how much of a difference. Now, I'm not a cue ball the way you are, but my head is, is very, the hair is very short. And so I got my hair cut, I think it was just Wednesday. And when I came out of the barbershop, and it just, they just took off like a, a fourth of an inch. And I was like, wow, it's really cold. Now, it was only like 40 degrees. It wasn't that cold. But it does make a gigantic difference, you know, what's on your head. It really does. And, you know, like, you discover what I've told people all along was even my little eighth of an inch that happens when I'm not shaving my head. You know, I, I shave my head about once a week or so, and you take off that little stubble and it just gets colder. It's really crazy. And now there is a downside to the beanie when you shave your head though. And that is this, when you're freshly shaven, the beanie just wants to just pop right off the top. You know, it, doesn't, it doesn't want to stay on there very well. So when I, you're, you're like yeah. waxing your head or something, you're, you're lubricating it or what? That's what it feels like, I guess. But I just shave it with a razor, you know, and, and sometimes put a little uh, lotion up there and it gets dry. But it's not the lotion. It's apparently the stubble helps hold the hat on. And so those first couple of days after you put the razor to your head, you know, it's hard to keep the beanie on. Well, I, I didn't realize that was a, a problem that guys had. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, good for you that you don't have to live in that world, but yeah, you're, that's you're, definitely the world I'm in. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's a rough life, Rob, that you can't, <laughs> can't keep your beanie on. Yeah. Just tough. So, uh, 
Rob, let's talk lawsuits. How's that yeah. for a transition, huh? Yeah, uh, So another city is suing the state over preemption, and we just reported on that. In fact, I think we may have broken the story. It was just last Friday, January 27th. The city of Cincinnati filed a complaint against the state of Ohio in the Hamilton County Court of Common Pleas. So the complaint alleges that Ohio's preemption law, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, which forbids political subdivisions from regulating firearms, uh, the the claim is that it's unconstitutional and illegal. So, Rob, you know, this is the second city that's done this. I don't know whether to laugh or cry. What's, what's your initial reaction to all this? Well, I guess my first reaction, and, and this is very preemptive, but thank goodness for the election that we just had. Because what this really smells like to me is a set of court cases, both in Columbus and Cincinnati, that are going to weave their way through the process and very likely wind up before the Supreme Court. And we'll wind up with a decision on the constitutionality of preemption. And so, God knows, Dean, the previous court, you know, with Chief Justice O'Connor presiding, I think that would have been the end of preemption. So, you know, you never can tell how judges are going to rule ultimately. But I'm certainly glad that we have a better court than we had just a couple of months ago. Let's talk about preemption because, you know, this is perhaps the most important law that we have in Ohio. I've talked about it for a long time. I've always worried that we would be in this situation. And I said, you know, it's just going to take these cities a while to figure it out. Yep. And that's exactly what happened. For so many years, you know, they would complain uh, they, they would maybe pass a law that it would get struck down, or you'd have these anti-gun laws trying to be passed at the state house. But preemption was always there. Right. And I said, you know, eventually they're going to figure it out. And they're going to start to attack preemption directly. And now that's exactly what they're doing. So in Ohio, like in a lot of states, normally cities have what's called home rule meaning that they can pass their own laws on a wide variety of issues, and which makes sense because cities are right where people live, and they're best suited to handle a lot of their own problems. But Ohio preempts home rule on the matter of firearms, and that's why it's called preemption. Yes. So preemption overrides Ohio home rule on guns. So the local regulation of firearms— Firearm components, ammunition, and now knives is completely preempted at the local level. In addition, an award of attorney fees is mandatory for any group that successfully challenges a municipal firearms ordinance. Now, if our listeners are curious about this, you can read the law yourself. It's in RC 9.68. All you have to do is Google ORC or Ohio Revised Code 9.68. I guarantee it'll probably be the, like the very first mention in the search results. ORC or Ohio Revised Code 9.68. Now, this was enacted way back in 2006. BFA helped make this happen. It went into effect, I believe, in uh, March of 2007. So that's 16 years ago. 2018, we amended it, we strengthened it, 
just last year, 2022, the legislature passed Senate Bill 156, which added knives to it because previously it was just firearms. So the question is, why do we have this? What's the big deal? The reason we have preemption is to avoid having a patchwork of gun laws the way it used to be prior to 16 years ago. So instead of having different gun laws everywhere you go, you have one consistent set of laws around the state. Now, Rob, to my mind, that makes perfect sense, right? Absolutely, it makes perfect sense. And I would also say that a couple observations. First off, home rule is not law. It's constitutional, right? And that's what sets this up to be such an important discussion because Ohio's constitution tells us that the cities and towns have the right to make their own law. That's what that's where that concept of home rule is ensconced. However, preemption's root is also in the constitution. Firearms preemption is rooted in the idea of Article 1, Section 4 of the Ohio Constitution, which gives us the right to keep and bear arms. So what, what you really have here is an argument by the cities that the Constitution guarantees them the right to make their own decisions on firearms, whereas our side will argue that preemption is constitutional because we're guaranteed the right to keep and bear arms. And so this is really a two-pronged challenge, Dean. This is a challenge on the preemption law, which I would totally agree with you is the most important gun law in the books. But deeper than that, this is a constitutional challenge between home rule and our right to keep and bear arms. So this is really maybe the most important gun battle, a gun rights battle of the last 25 years or more. And let's just put this in perspective, because there might be some people who would think, well, so what? You know, Columbus wants to pass a law. Cincinnati wants to pass a law. What's the big deal? Well, I, 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 want, to, I want you to think about this. Ohio, and I've actually counted, Ohio is something like 2,200 or 2,300, somewhere in that range, cities, villages, and townships, over 2,000, all with their own set of laws. Now, imagine... If every one of those had different traffic laws, Rob, if you've read about what it was like early on in the 20th century when cars came along and there really weren't a lot of laws on the road, the reports are that it was chaos. People were running into each other. Children were being killed on the streets. I mean, people were being run down. It was just a madhouse. And, and so you can see what happens when you have you know chaos in the laws. So we wouldn't want that. That's why they're regular, regularized, not even at the state level, but, I mean, nationally, the, the laws are pretty much the same everywhere. It's same kind of signs. Green means go, red means stop. Rob, if we had this with gun laws, it would be exactly the same thing. We would have chaos. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'd, we'd actually have two major problems, right? The first is what you say. Just imagine, we'll just use Columbus as an example. You know, I live about a half an hour east of Columbus. So when I go to the state house, you know, I'm going to go through Pataskala and then Reynoldsburg and Pickerington, and then about a smattering of Whitehall, you know, before I get into the city of Columbus. So if each and every one of them had a different law about how I can carry a firearm, whether I can carry a firearm, does the ammo, does the ammo and the firearm need to be separated? Do they need to be in lockboxes? It can make it 
practically impossible to legally carry a firearm. And so that's what you're speaking about, sort of a patchwork quilt of 58 different gun laws everywhere you go. And you can transfer that example to all the suburbs of Cleveland or all the suburbs of Cincinnati. It'd just be a mess. But at the same time, uh, they're wanting to open the door to flat out gun control. You know, these, these Cincinnati and Columbus, they want to enact gun control. And I don't think it's hard to foresee their establishment of waiting periods or the establishments of handgun permits or one gun a month, or of course, you know, so-called assault weapons bans and high capacity magazine bans. I mean, that the menu's open if preemption goes away. And Columbus has actually said that. Now, Cincinnati is being a little more, I don't know if shy is the right word, but they're, they're being a little more careful. And we'll talk about the laws that, that they want to pass that are coming up. But Columbus is very aggressive. They've come right out and said, look, we would like the so-called assault weapons bans and we'd like all of these other laws. So they, they definitely want to do it. None of this is conjecture. That's the thing, Rob, because we actually had this. Now, it's a lot more contentious now. You know, we didn't, it wasn't quite as political, you know, 15, 20 years ago, but it's gotten very political now. And so, so we saw what it was like previously. Yeah. And the other thing that I think people are not taking into consideration is not only would it be a mess, not only would we have this patchwork of laws that would be very difficult. I mean, you could become a lawbreaker just driving to the grocery store. But on top of that, think about this. If we had to lobby for our gun rights city by city by city, Second Amendment rights would be basically non-existent. I mean, Rob, that would make your job pretty hard. How many Rob Sextons would we have to hire in order to deal with more than 2,000 cities and their gun laws? Yeah, yeah, it would be awful. Uh, and, and, and to be honest, it would be impossible, right? Because, you know, the politics of Columbus lean pretty far left. You know, you ask the average person that lives in Columbus, they're probably a lot more comfortable with gun control than we are outside the city of Columbus. However, people go to work in Columbus. Every day you're traveling to and from work in Columbus. Every day you're traveling back and forth to sporting events in Columbus or to things that you take your kids to in Columbus. And so if you had to lobby every single town, every single city for your gun rights, what you're really saying is we just wouldn't be able to win that battle. And that, that's part of their strategy. And the, the really disgusting part of this is that we've litigated it. It's not like, you know, to hear the media talk sometimes, and I've seen reports that have come out right out and said, you know, that, that this is like a new thing, that they think it just happened in 2018. But it didn't. You know, we, we've passed these laws. The, the original law was 16 years ago. And we've had a lot of litigation. Just in 2021, we won a lawsuit against Cincinnati and Columbus, too, by the way, over bump stocks because of preemption. In 2010, the state won a case brought by Cincinnati over preemption. In 2009, we won a lawsuit against Cleveland and forced them to stop enforcing 19 separate gun control laws. That was based on preemption. In 2008, Another gun control organization, Ohioans for Concealed Carry, won a case against the city of Clyde, and that was 
just over carrying guns in parks. Again, preemption. Two of those cases went to the Ohio Supreme Court. The Ohio Supreme Court has already spoken on this twice. In the 2010 case, the court came right out and said, and that was, if I remember correctly, a 5-2 decision. The court said that preemption is valid in all respects. So they've already ruled on it. We've considered this settled law. And it's really shocking that Columbus and now Cincinnati is challenging preemption after the Supreme Court has ruled on it. And as if you've, you've already said, Rob, it's probably going to go back to the Supreme Court and this will be the third time. Yep. Yeah. And um, gosh, I got to tell you another thing I mentioned at the outset, thankful for the results of the last election. Uh, it's often you always hear the phrase, you know, elections have consequences. Well, elections also have benefits. And the other thing we need to be thankful for is that Ohio currently has an attorney general who is for the Second Amendment. You know, Attorney General Dave Yost has attacked these lawsuits. He's defended the rights of Ohioans to keep and bear arms. And why that's important is this. If you had a left wing, a progressive attorney general, and they refused to defend these laws vigorously, then these, de- these various lawsuits would fall to organizations like Buckeye Firearms Association. And while it's easy to say, well, gosh, you know, you, you got a winner there, maybe. But even if you win, you're bled lots of money. And so then you say, yeah, Rob, but they, they award attorney fees. Well, a couple hundred thousand dollars in attorney fees to us is a big deal. A couple hundred thousand dollars to Columbus is nothing. They're playing with house money. They're playing with taxpayer money. And so what you have is a whole bunch of cities. And for God's sake, Columbus and Cincinnati are just the tip of the iceberg. Akron, Cleveland, Toledo. They'll all jump in this game if these first two are allowed to go down this path. So can organizations like Buckeye Firearms Association, could we sustain six or eight or 10 lawsuits at the same time? And I think you know the answer to that. The answer is no, we could not handle that. And so again, elections really matter. And it's very helpful to our cause to have an attorney general who is willing to fight on our side uh, to send a message about this entire problem. So, Rob, I also want to talk about uh, when the uh, city of Cincinnati came out and, you know, launched this lawsuit. The other day they had a press conference as well. It was a little hard to watch because it wasn't broadcast. It didn't really get a lot of press coverage. It was on their Facebook page and it kept cutting in and out. So, honestly... I didn't get to see all of it, but I, I could probably guess, you know, what they said. Not only are they suing the state, they're proposing a couple of gun laws. So they say that they're going to meet on that next week uh, on February 8th. Under the guise of an emergency, they're going to launch these, you know, so-called emergency gun control laws. So we believe on February 8th, they're going to be active. And the, and the two ordinances that they're proposing are, number one, a mandated safe storage law where children may have access to firearms. So that's very similar to what Columbus is doing. They've already uh, passed and enacted that. They're also proposing a prohibition on gun possession by those convicted of a misdemeanor offense of domestic violence or those subject to temporary protection or temporary restraining orders which involve an intimate partner or an intimate partner's child. The second one 
the the one on uh, misdemeanors for domestic violence, that more or less mirrors current law, but the safe storage would certainly be a violation of preemption because RC 9.68, if you read it, it specifically mentions storage among other actions that you cannot regulate. Now, Rob, I just want to be clear. We're not against safe storage. Uh, uh, How many kids do you have in your house on on a regular basis? I'm sure that you lock up your guns, right? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I raised four kids and I've got two grandkids that are always over here. So, yeah, we have to be vigilant to keep guns out of the hands of the kids. So we're not against safe storage. No. But we're against mandating it and turning it into a crime. And in the case of Cincinnati, it's a crime whether someone gets hurt or not. So they're they're saying, look, we're not going to go after you if something doesn't happen and, you know, th- this just happens to be involved. But, you know, you can't trust them. I mean, we have no idea. There could be some totally unrelated matter and they find that you're not storing your firearms and it becomes criminalized whether anybody got hurt or not. We don't like the mandates. We're all for training, but not for training mandates. There are a lot of things that we can do and that we advocate, but we don't want to turn into law, and we don't want people to become criminals because of it. And preemption says you can't do this. You cannot regulate firearms storage, among a lot of other things. Well, you know, I, I, I fought against a safe storage law in Ohio in the early 2000s. Uh, and at the time, you know, we were working alongside the National Rifle Association, and uh, the fellow who was doing their uh, work at the time, he and I nicknamed the bill the Burglar Protection Act. And, you know, we were able to actually get that in print a few times, which was very helpful. But the bottom line is this. Their version of safe storage made it to where you could not have a firearm anywhere where a minor could gain access to it. And so as a result, there's a fine line between keeping guns out of the hands of kids and keeping guns available to you to protect yourself. And so what they're really after with some of these safe storage laws is just another version of gun control. Yes, you can have a gun. It just needs to be locked in a cave and you throw away the key and you weld the safe shut and you throw it in the lake. Right. I mean, that, but you can still have them. And that's really how a lot of these safe storage laws work. And so at the time we beat the law. And we were actually questioned by the Columbus Dispatch, you know, hey, 80% of the people are for this. So how in the world could you guys persuade the legislature to vote against safe storage? At the time we told the dispatch, well, 80% of the people have feelings about everything, but the other 20%, they'll never forget who voted wrong on this. So that's how we wound up winning. But, you know, you don't want to bank on that every single time because at some point politics change and, you know, we, we, if you wind up without a conservative majority, uh, you know, Katie bar the door, that's going back to preemption. That's why we got to protect that. Let's call it what it is. That's the Holy grail of gun rights in Ohio. So we've been dealing with a similar situation in Columbus, which I've alluded to, and, and that's been going on for several weeks. They're suing the state over preemption as well. And they've passed some gun control laws that went into effect on January 21st. So they've got a safe storage mandate, very similar to what Cincinnati says that they're going to pass. They have a prohibition against providing a gun uh, to someone who can't legally possess one. That's already illegal. But they also have a ban on magazines 
that hold 30 or more rounds. Now, that's a lot more serious because they're not distinguishing between, and it's not just about rifles. You know, they talk about semi-automatic, you know, firearms, but, you know, that could be anything. That that could be a pistol as well. That, that could be, you know, any magazine that can hold 30 or more rounds, whether you have 30 more rounds in it or not. Right. Columbus is being a little more aggressive than Cincinnati, but essentially they're doing the same thing. And in in the case of Columbus, it's equally frustrating because they too lost the lawsuit against us right alongside Cincinnati over bump stocks because they were claiming that bump stocks are not a component of firearms, that they, that it's a quote-unquote accessory. So, you know, they're, they're really trying to stretch and bend and contort the law to try to give themselves an excuse to do all this. So, Rob, I mean, what do you, what do you think about all this? Are they are these cities just slow learners? They've lost these cases, cases of going to the Supreme Court. Are they just kind of slow, or do you think that this is political theater? Well, that's a great question. You know, um, I, I suspect part of it's political theater. There's a tremendous amount of pressure uh, like here in Columbus on Mayor Ginther, you, you hear people giving him, you know, how come you're not doing something about gun violence? So he gets, uh, he gets the benefit of having introduced this awful package here in Columbus. And if he loses ultimately, well, that's all about the big, bad Republicans who won't let Columbus protect itself. Right. So I suspect politically, this is a winner for Mayor Ginther and the city of Columbus. So it's definitely political. Um, are they slow learners? Well, I would say so, but you know, it really goes back to the issue of, you know, does the awarding of attorney fees really serve as much of a deterrent and maybe not, you know, maybe it's not enough. Maybe that's something that we'll need to examine going forward. I, I can't continue without mentioning this because I, I don't know if you've read the complaint uh, that Cincinnati had against Ohio to launch their lawsuit they complain about everything. It reads like a big press release. They refer to a lot of you know gun control organizations and their statistics. One of the things they complain about, Rob, is this whole thing about attorney's fees. They think it's just terrible. You know, why can't we uh, introduce legislation, talk about legislation, and, and do all of these things without facing potential costs and attorney fees? That is just so unfair. They make a big point of it. And then right at the end of the complaint, what do they ask the judge for? Now, wait for it. Costs and attorney's fees. Right. So, right. I mean, that's that's a small thing. It's kind of amusing. But it does show to me that they are playing games. And, Absolutely. And I, got, and I got to say, when you read the complaint, I've never read a complaint like this before from Cincinnati. It, 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 there aren't a lot of legal citations. It's like over 90 pages, and it's just one long press release. I, I don't know how else to describe it. It's a temper tantrum. We want to pass laws, and you won't let us do it. Boo-hoo. Right. Right. Yeah. I. Well, I think we saw, you know, if you're a football fan, if you're a Bengals fan, you know, you saw what the mayor of Cincinnati's capable of. He got egg on his face real bad last week. So my sense is Cincinnati's governed by someone who really just doesn't know the law or care to even understand the law. But to your point about them asking for attorney fees after they lament the fact that 
the public is allowed to have attorney fees. You know, it's the epitome of government laws for thee, but not for me. Right. And the idea that how dare you plebes, you, you insignificant peons who want your gun rights. How dare you bring a lawsuit against the government? Oh, but all the, but by the way, uh, we sure would like to have our attorney fees paid. It's just, it's the epitome of hypocrisy. It would be, you know, wonderful to say, isn't that the anomaly? But, you know, that's too often the case, especially with these really anti-gun cities. And this, you hate to say, you know, you want to see this thing go all the way to the court. You know, I'd love to see the local court or an appellate court slam this. But at the same time, you know, you got to feel like we need the Supreme Court to settle it again uh, and, and put, you know, put a stop to this. So Rob, this whole thing, we're trying to report on it and we've been running articles when something major happens. A lot of it's been paperwork. It's very technical, legal stuff. It's really hard to keep people up to date on exactly where we are at any given moment. Uh, Let me, let me try though. So Columbus is suing the state. The attorney general is trying to block Columbus's gun laws. Cincinnati is suing the state. The attorney general will have to defend the state in both of these suits. The attorney general will certainly, they've not yet, but they're going to certainly try to block Cincinnati's laws, just like they're trying to block Columbus's laws. And I believe soon we'll be able to announce another suit against Columbus and whether one will be coming against Cincinnati remains to be seen. So there's a lot of stuff going on, people firing at each other, two cities, the attorney general, you know, there's us, there's another group that may be launching a lawsuit. There's, there's a lot of, a lot of fire back and forth between all of these entities. And I think that all paths lead to the Supreme court eventually Rob, it's just turning into a real mess. Yeah, it is. And, you know, uh, one other item about the Columbus lawsuit, the Columbus lawsuit is actually in two different county courts, right? So uh, the city of Columbus action is also tied to a lawsuit by the city of Columbus against the state of Ohio filed in Franklin County Court of Common Pleas. And then Attorney General Yost, his challenge to the action of Columbus was actually filed in the Fairfield County Court of Common Pleas. I think Attorney General Yost thought we might get a better shake in Fairfield County. Uh, I would have assumed that we would have gotten a better shake in Fairfield County. Uh, But ultimately, the Fairfield County lower court ruled that uh, Columbus's gun control can proceed. You know, he did not agree to put an injunction on it. Uh, but for those of you who are scratching your head right now, Fairfield County, you know, how, how does Fairfield County get to decide what happens in Columbus? Well, here's your answer. And this, if, if you've been in Columbus a long time, then you'll know a little bit of Columbus's history. Columbus is like an annexing monster. And the city is just annexed and annexed and annexed over the last 30 to 40 years to the point that part of Columbus is actually in Fairfield County. And so that opened the door for Attorney General Yost to try this. Uh, and, be, and, and before anybody thinks, well, it didn't work because of the lower court, keep this in mind. Attorney General Yost will appeal this decision, I believe. 
and that will go to a Fairfield County District Appellate Court rather than the Columbus area appellate court. So it still might wind up having been the right strategy by the AG. But as of now, we've got gun uh, gun rights court cases in Franklin County, in Fairfield County, and now, of course, in Hamilton County. And it's all procedural. This is, I think, the point that I'm trying to make. None of the courts have you know, issued a ruling on the actual subject matter. They've not said, you know, who's right or wrong. It's all procedural. So like in Fairfield County, the judge is basically just saying, well, you didn't make your specific argument well enough for me to do what you want to do. He didn't say, I agree with you or I disagree with you. It's all procedure and, and, you know, it's paperwork. Basically, all of this is a matter of entities issuing paperwork, presenting their case to a judge. You know, these aren't like big court trials or anything like that. And no um, decision has been made. So it's just jostling about, you know, positioning, trying to get to the point where a judge finally comes out with a ruling. And we're just not there yet. We're going to have to be patient. These things take time. Court cases take a lot of time. Fortunately, Mm -hmm. one of the things with the AG is... They, they do sort of give them a little bit of uh, a precedence so they will handle those things faster than if, than if we had a lawsuit, for example, against Cincinnati or Columbus. They tend to act a little faster because it's the attorney general. Other than that, just hang on, be patient. This is going to take a while. Right, right. Well, you know, we're going to have to see how it all shakes out. In the meantime, this, this mantra I'm pounding about elections you know, I know lots of times folks will say, well, gosh, you know, Article 1, Section 4, it's in the Constitution. Preemption is existing law. How much longer do we have to fight this? Or how many more times do we have to fight this? And the answer can come off a little bit discouraging because the answer is we will never be able to stop fighting this. We live in a representative government. And so as long as you have politicians, then you will have politicians who are challenging gun rights. And so the fact is we can never lay down our political arms any more than we want to lay down our actual firearms. We'll always have to be ready to fight for these rights. Well, I would just point out a lot of people thought that the abortion law was settled. Well, you know, people have been planning for several decades to come back at that, and they did. And they got the court to change its mind. These things never remain settled. This is an ongoing fight. You're always fighting for your rights. That's why we have to be vigilant and we have to always, you know, watch and fight and make sure that we, uh, you know, continue to pass good legislation, defeat bad legislation, get the right people elected and be ready to be in court uh, when these things happen. So, yeah, in a way that's discouraging in, a, in another way, I think that that's um, an optimistic statement because it, it just shows that these things never get really, uh, uh, you know, chiseled in stone. We can always fight it. You know, there's always a victory around the corner, Rob. Right. That's right. And so we just have to continue to show up to the fight uh, and look for ways to continue to build the strength in, in the law, the current law, uh, build the fortifications, you know, for the days when we're needed. So preemption and lawsuits are not the only mess in Ohio. And Rob, I know that you know where I'm going with this. 
the Ohio House of Representatives. I, I we've got to talk about this. Yeah. So, I mean, my reaction is just wow. There's this intense power struggle going on, lots of drama. So far, not a lot getting done because the House is basically bickering about who's in charge. Rob, you've been working at the State House for a long time. What long time. is going on? Well, you know, we, we, we have a power struggle going on between two factions of Republicans, right? We have about two-thirds of the Republican caucus who are lined up between or behind Representative Merritt uh, to be Speaker of the House, and the other one-third of the caucus lined up behind Representative Stevens, who has, in fact, been elected Speaker of the House. Uh, and they just haven't figured out how they're going to uh, govern yet, right? Because there's definitely a struggle between the two factions about how things are going to be done. Now, it is true that Stevens, Speaker Stevens, uh, was made Speaker because all of the Democrats also lined up behind him. And that's what put him over the top. That's what gave him the 50-plus votes he needed to uh, possess the gavel. Uh, and I know that leaves a lot of people wondering, what does that mean for us, right, for your different rights, in our case, the gun rights? I will say this. Uh, this is like having your family fight when most of them are all good people, right? So Stevens has a 100% gun rights record. And his entire leadership team, very similar. Uh, Marin has a 100% gun rights record. And his entire team, very pro-gun. So, you know, it's tough to watch friends fight with each other because it just, as you say, it just slows things down. We've got work we need to get on, but they've got to settle things. They've got to let the dust settle and figure out how they're actually going to run this chamber. Um, and fortunately, that doesn't rest on us because they've got a lot of things they need to get done that they have to get done, like the state budget. And that will force them, I think, to figure things out. So Marin's group, are they, they invented a new term. What are they calling themselves? The GOP House majority? Is that what they're yes. calling themselves? Yes. And so it's going to be it's sort of like the Freedom Caucus on the national level, sort of like that. They, the claim is that they're the more conservative group, and they don't like that the Speaker is working with the Democrats. You know, how dare he talk to Democrats and all, all that sort of thing. But, Rob, to be clear, we're not taking sides on any of this. Uh, we're going to work with everyone we have to to fight for Second Amendment rights in Ohio. But like you said, this is just like a family quarrel. It's a bunch of people who would support us, but they're having a quarrel among themselves about who's in charge. How will this affect passing legislation? Well, as things shake out, you, you know, like uh, last session, for example, when we had Bob Cup as Speaker of the House, even though his vote to make him speaker was really close. In fact, he was elected by the Republicans by one vote, I believe. When they went to the full House floor, all the Republicans stuck together behind Cup. And so items that he agreed to prioritize were able to get their day and be considered. And for us, you know, we had discussions with Speaker Cup and members of his leadership team, and he agreed 
to allow constitutional carry to get a vote. He agreed to allow emergency powers uh, to come to a vote. And then he allowed the armed school uh, personnel bill to get a vote. He could speak for his caucus, even though it wasn't always unified. The question that we're going to have to sort out here is, can Speaker Stevens speak for his caucus? You know, will the folks in the uh, House GOP majority caucus, will they agree to the things that Speaker Stevens agrees to? And, and that, that's yet to be seen. And so how, you know, how will we navigate this? Well, I think we're going to have to do more communicating. We have to talk to folks in both camps. As you say, we're not taking sides. We're very fortunate these are all people who are, who are pro-gun. Um, but time will be lost as this sorts out. Now, some folks in one of the factions believes things have already begun to settle down. Uh, Dean, I don't know. That, that rules fight they had last week would seem to suggest, you know, the wound is still fresh. Um, but I have to point this out, that this idea of, you know, uh, cutting deal with Democrats to make yourself speaker, this is the second time that has happened, not the first, right? So the speaker two times ago, Speaker Larry Householder actually cut a deal with Democrats to make himself speaker previously. So much like things are in Washington, when norms are shattered, you know, then that, that, that loophole begins to be exploited more and more this is not uh the first time this has happened and so i think stevens was able to use playbook that he was shown by the previous speaker um and until they get that family rift settled between them folks like us are going to have to figure out how to navigate a more complicated statehouse rob every time we begin a new session you know, I'm I'm feeling really good because we've got a clean slate. We're expecting things to to go wonderfully. You know, last session we passed all of our priority bills, including permitless carry. I'm I'm so glad that we got all that done. We began this session. I remember us having a conversation, thinking, "Oh, that this is going to be great." You know, we're just going to sail through this. But we know every time a session begins, something's going to happen. Uh, you know, inevitably. The unexpected will rear its head. We never know what it is, but now we do. So, I mean, it's, right. it's inevitable. Something strange or unexpected is always going to happen. So, you know, number one, we're dealing with these cities attacking preemption. And number two, we're dealing with the House, and, and we don't know how that's going to sort out. Sort of like, Rob, the more things change, the more they stay the same, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the bottom line is you have to be ready to adapt. You have to be willing to shift your strategies with, you know, with the way that the playing field looks. And that's what we will have to do also in order to be effective. I will say to echo your comment just a moment ago, I'm really glad that we were able to carry so much heavy lifting last session, because I don't know that you could have gotten three majorly heavy lifts done in the current environment if it doesn't sort itself out well. So getting the school bill, armed, armed faculty and school bill done, and permitless carry and the emergency powers, the three huge wins. But more importantly, you know, we got them when the time was right to get them. That's why it's important to take advantage of things when you have the opportunity. Well, we'll see how it works out. Uh, you know, it's always a surprise. The, the, the only thing 
that, that I think every time a session begins is something's going to happen, the other shoe's going to drop. I, I hate to be one of those guys who's like, the happier we are, the more I worry, yeah. you know? Uh, but but sometimes that's the way it is because it's like a karma thing. You know, you, things go really, really well, and then something unexpected slaps you in the face. But it, it's inevitable. Yeah, it's right. politics. Yep. Yep. So, Rob, yeah. thanks for spending time with us on the podcast once again. Keep up the good work, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, Dean. It's been great to be with you. That's all for this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. If you enjoyed the podcast, I urge you to subscribe. And please subscribe to the Buckeye Firearms Association newsletter at BuckeyeFirearms.org. If you'd like to become a member and support the work of BFA, go to JoinBFA.org. Use the discount code PODCAST to get $10 off your membership. That's JoinBFA.org. We'll see you next time on Keep and Bear Radio.